welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. We are never at the mercy of our enemy. But dear ones, the church has to rise up and be more than just religious. The church must be what Jesus originally intended the church to be. And and what down through church history mankind has has tended to take the church and make it a religious institution instead of a life-giving organism. Down through history, the church has tended to become a religious institution and not a life-giving organism. See, that, that is so radically different that you're having trouble grasping what I'm saying. Let me illustrate it for you this way. Go with me, would you please, in your holy scriptures to the gospel of Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 18 when you get there. 18. It's verse 18. Did they ask for a chapter? I apologize. Chapter 4, verse 18. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing your iPhone pages turn. And everybody gets there, holler amen. 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 Yeah, someone already said it's in red. Okay, if you have the red letter edition, it's in red. If it's in red, what does that mean? Jesus Jesus is speaking. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me. Okay, Jesus is talking about, this is why I've come. The Lord has anointed me. And he's anointed me to do this work. And what is it? To preach the gospel to the poor. Amen? Amen. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Amen? Amen? To proclaim liberty to the captives recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord 
Is that in your Holy Scripture? Okay, look right here. I'm going to take it in reverse order. Jesus is saying, I have come to bring into reality the year of Jubilee. Okay, when he talked about the acceptable year of the Lord, he's talking about the year of Jubilee. If, if, you, uh, if you know a little bit of your Hebrew history, Old Testament history, God established that every seventh year was to be a Sabbath year, just like every seventh day was a Sabbath day, a day of rest. They did no work on the Sabbath day. It was a day to honor and celebrate and worship the Lord. And the seventh year, the land was to lie fallow that year. There there was to be no work of any kind that year. It was to be a year of jubilee, a year of a, a, a Sabbath year. Then there was the seventh of seven years. The 49th year was the year of Sabbath of Sabbaths. And then the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven. Anyone that had, that had indentured themselves to pay a debt, they were released from their indenturement. It was a year of great liberation. Amen. Year of Jubilee. And Jesus is saying, I have come to bring a year of liberation. But it wasn't just one year. It was going to be from now until eternity. I am bringing liberation to set men free. They will no longer be under the power and control of darkness and demonic forces. You will no longer be slaves to demonic forces. You'll no longer be slaves to sin and addictions. I am bringing liberty and deliverance. Okay, so going still in reverse order, right? Okay, so the next thing he said was, I've come to bring liberty to those who are pressed. Despair. Discouragement. Depression. Anxiety. Worry. Fear. Insecurity, low self-worth, rejection, all the stuff that harasses mankind inside and that suppresses our emotions, suppresses our ability to stretch out and take hold of those things that God's intended for our life. We live in the less We live in underachievement. We become content with mediocrity. We live less than we believe we could live. We live in in a poverty mentality. We live in a I can never do it mentality. We live in it will never change spirit and attitude. And Almighty God says, I did not create you to live under that kind of oppression. I've come to set you free from that kind of oppression. That's why Jesus came. Look at the next thing he said. 
He said, not only that, I'm going to give sight to the blind. Now, this is both physical and spiritual. I mean, he literally gave physical sight to blind people. Amen? Still does, by the way. He has here. There have been people here who have been blind that God's healed. But the even worse than physical blindness is spiritual blindness. Where we live far less than God ever intended us to live because we can't see. Or we, we don't take hold of the promises that God has given to us because we can't see. Where, where our spiritual life lives within these very narrow boundaries because we can't see. There, there, are, there are theologians and there are pastors who because of their spiritual blindness, they have, they have taught and preached and limited what God does today. God doesn't heal today. Miracles don't happen today. That baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't for today. That the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. That was only for the apostles. And so they, they give this very narrow. And so they, they leave their people. All they have is fire insurance. You're not going to hell because you've been born again. But whatever you do, don't step out of your poverty spirit. Don't step out. Don't, don't stretch out for God. Don't believe God. Don't, because God doesn't. Oh, and by the way, your, all your prayers are, God, if, if you're willing, please do this. And our prayers become begging prayers instead of dramatic prayers of declaring what God has promised. And I bring you good news today. Old and New Testament, God is still working. God still does miracles. Behold, God said, behold, I am the Lord. I change not. Jesus said it would be easier for the sun to disappear and for one word of God's word to not be true and effective and powerful. Oh, that's my paraphrase. I'm sorry. I'm paraphrasing what Jesus said. Jesus said it this way, for, for one tittle to pass away. A tittle is a punctuation mark, by the way. Jesus not only said his words are, but his punctuation is even... <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give sight to the blind. And I am praying your spiritual eyes open today to see what you've never seen. What's the next thing he said? He said, I'm going to bring liberty to captives. Do you live in a prison? There are people that live in a prison of agoraphobia. They can't go out of their house. Live in a very narrow space. There are people that live in a prison of, well, mom and dad were alcoholics. I'm an alcoholic. There are people that live in a very, in a very narrow prison because they're third or fourth generation in welfare and they don't believe it can go different than that. There are people that live in a very narrow prison 
of this is my lineage, this is my heritage. Some of those, some of those come out of their, their identity with past failure, with, with past events. Some live in the victimization of incest, molestation, or rape from their childhood. And they, and they can't get past it. A date rape that, that left them absolutely devastated or broken. In the victimization of a divorce. A failed marriage. A job failure. A financial reversal. And they're stuck And I want to declare to you today, God's promise to you. Failure is an event, not an identity. Just because something failed, just because you experienced that and, and you have been a victim of something, that is not your identity. That is not who you are. And God doesn't intend for you to live your life out of that identity and out of the rubble of that which happened to you. Jesus Christ came to make you a whole creation he came to set you free from your captivity and and can I say something that is just as true about racial things people that live in the identity a very negative identity of their racial background I've seen that over and over and over again and I say to them, listen, yes, that is a, your identity in the sense that, that that is who you are. You're African American or you're Latino or you're Asian or, or whatever. I'm a mess. I'm English, Irish, and French. But, thank you. But can I tell you, whatever that background, if you live, if you live in the narrow identity of that, you will miss all that God intended for you. Because when Jesus Christ saved you and made you a new creation, you are now a new creation, Latino, a new creation. Asian, a new creation black person, a new creation Native American, a new creation Irishman, a new creation Frenchman, a new creation. You are a new creation. And as that new creation, whatever history or background or lineage has been there that has been negative and has limited, I am saying to you, those limits are gone because now as a new creation, scripture says, and all things are become new and the limits to you is only how big is God how big is God don't live in that refuse to live in that don't deny who you are but don't live in the limits of that am I making sense Jesus came to set the captives free I was doing a lineage study on my family. Got it all the way back to the 1600s when my family fled the English-Irish War 
of the 1600s and came to Virginia and then from Virginia to Ohio and then I don't know how we got to Missouri. But uh, I, I started getting nervous when I found out that, that we hid Jesse James. I thought, that's enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to know who horse thieves and other things were in my background. Because that's not my identity. That's not my identity. See, that's not who I am. See, here's the beautiful thing. I, I was the first member of my, my family to come to salvation and new life in Jesus Christ. And at that moment, the alcoholism of my family stopped. At that moment, all this sexual abuse in my family stopped. At that moment, all of that negative family lineage stopped. And I became a new creation. And the joy, and this has been Wanda and I's mission for our family. This is our vision and mission statement for our family. It has been now for close to 40 years. Raising up a foundation for many godly generations. That the alcoholism in both our backgrounds and all that stuff in all our backgrounds, that stopped with Wanda and I. And now, from this generation on, we are believing righteousness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that every one of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, our great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren, they are going to walk mighty in spirit because they have been given liberty. We're probably not going to get past the introduction today. Oh, dear ones, don't you want what Jesus promised to give? Now look, look, this, this is, he's still, he's still talking. This is what I come to do. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Has your heart been broken? Abandonment as a child. You're heartbroken because your mom and dad divorced when you were a child. By the way, it's not any easier for adult children when their parents go through the divorce than for a small child. It still breaks the heart. There's this crazy lie out. Oh, children are really resi- resilient. They'll get over it. Oh, no. Oh, no, they don't. Trust me. 47 years of counseling, they don't get over it. But I can tell you, someone who can heal it is Jesus Christ. What broke your heart? What broke your spirit? See, a broken spirit is a great restrictor. Two two things happen that come out of a broken spirit. Either number one, it it, it becomes a restrictor and they and they lived in underachievement, or it drives them to prove they really do have worth and value, and so they're overachievers, but they build terrible human relationships. 
They're, they're, they're overachievers in whatever career they're in. But they build terrible human relationships. Because they're constantly having to prove their worth and value. And so they can't love with authentic love. Because they think they're always having to prove their worth to get loved. To be loved. You get it? And so, and so they just build terrible human relationships. And it all comes out because they have a broken spirit. But Jesus Christ came to heal the broken spirit. And because we are loved by him first, now we can embrace his love, his acceptance, his favor in our life. He loves us unconditionally. And then we can turn and we can love in a healthy way because we are loved. How many have understood you're getting little mini sermons here? (laughs) Okay. To preach the gospel to the poor. There is something worse than living in physical poverty. I have known people that lived in great poverty and yet they were incredibly rich. You see, there's a, there's a worse thing than living in physical poverty. By the way, I kind of marvel at how we Americans call poverty. You know, we, we, we have this, this poverty level that we say, and, and people that live under that live in poverty. And yet that, that line is anywhere from three times to ten times more than people living in other nations. So where do we go with this? When we're talking about Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. He wasn't just talking about, do you have very much money? It goes directly to what he was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. When he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the word there is talking about spiritual poverty. In fact, the Greek word is, is a poverty that someone is not just poor, but they don't have any means to be able to change their poverty. And so they're living in this poverty that they have with no way of changing it or doing anything about it. There's no way out. And what Jesus is talking about is, listen, blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty. That they are hopelessly, helplessly, habitually a sinner and they cannot change their condition. No amount of resolution, no amount of trying to do good works, no amount of trying to change their behavior, no no, it doesn't matter how many self-help books you read. You cannot change the fact you are helplessly, habitually a sinner and you are going to hell. In fact, you deserve hell. That is true poverty. 
And Jesus came to preach the gospel to all of us who are in that condition. And make no mistake about it. Every human being is in that condition. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not even one. You were born a sinner. You've heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again. And how we know that that is absolutely true is all we have to do is look at our children that we bring home from the hospital and put into our little bassinet. And we laid that little five, six, seven pound infant in there. Oh, how wonderful. They are perfect, aren't they? They're absolutely perfect. And as you lay them in the bassinet and you cover them with a little blanket and you're about to slip out of the room, that little child says, by the way, mom, when you get time, don't, don't, don't inconvenience them, but when you get time, could you please nurse me? No, no hurry, but, but when you get time, right? No, not on your life. You, you suddenly discover, oh my goodness, that perfect little child is very selfish. <laughs> and then is that perfect little child who just has, it, the only flaw is that little selfishness. That's the only flaw. But as that, as that little perfect child with just that one flaw grows, pretty soon you discover they're not only selfish, but they're very self-willed. <laughs> and they're stingy. And when they do something wrong, they will lie to you to cover it up. In other words, that little, that sweet little perfect innocent human being has a big streak of sin in their heart. And Jesus came to deliver us from sin. The power to deliver us from sin. Now watch this. And this is where we're going to be going over the next weeks. Would you turn with me in your holy scripture. To the gospel of St. John chapter 14. The gospel of St. John chapter 14. He came to deliver us from sin. He came to heal our broken heart. He came to set us free from captivity he came to open our blind eyes he came to heal us and deliver us from oppression the Lord Jesus Christ and watch this everywhere he went he healed blind eyes he cast out demons He would say, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, he was doing exactly what he said here. Amen? In dramatic ways. And in such a fashion that the people marveled. And this is what they said. Where did this man get this authority? We've never heard someone teach the way he teaches. Where does he get this authority? And then, do you remember this 
this man who had been crippled and his buddies were trying to get him to Jesus because they knew if I get him to Jesus, he'll get healed. And they couldn't get because the place was packed. They couldn't get him in. And so they went up on the roof and they, and they tore back a portion of the roof and they let the guy down through the roof in, into the presence of Jesus. And as the guy was let down in the presence of Jesus, Jesus said, which is easier, be healed or your sin be forgiven. But that you may know that God has given authority to the Son of Man. He did both. He healed the man and he picked up his bed and walked out. But not only that, he forgave their sin. And the guys went, you can't do that. Only God can forgive sin. That's right. God was in their midst. Amen. Now look, John 14. I want you to see something here. Jesus is in his last conversation with his disciples before he's going to be betrayed. And in that conversation, he's telling them about, he's preparing a place for them, and he's telling them that he's got, I'm going to go to Father. And uh, Thomas said, uh, Lord, how, how can we know the way? I'm the way, the truth, and life. And then Philip says to him, hey, show us the Father and suffices us. And Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Philip, have I been so long with you and you haven't known who I am? You don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Believe me that I'm in the Father or believe me for my very work's sake. And then he said this, look, look, John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you. Does your Bible say that? Yes. Truly, truly, I say to you. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you the truth. It's absolutely the truth. The televangelists and the really big name pastors that believe in me, they will do the works that I do and greater works than these shall I do because I go to my Father. What do you mean, no? What do you mean, No. Whosoever believes in me, right? Okay, we got to stop right here. You need to turn to the neighbor on each side of you and go, uh oh, he's talking about us. See, now he's talking about you. See, now he's talking about you. Come on, church member, and you've been in church for the last 40 years. And you've just been going to church. He's talking about you now. Come on, young believer, brand new believer. You've only been walking with Jesus just a few weeks or a few months. He's talking about you. Whosoever believes in me. Whosoever believes in me. Just like whosoever will may come, right? Salvation is open to everyone, right? Now he's saying, and everyone who believes in me. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you been born again? If you believe in Jesus, if you've been born again, this scripture is talking about you. Whosoever believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go to my Father. Now we've got down to the bottom line of this morning. Church as normal in America has become a form of godliness, but no power. And so pastors, 
Instead of bringing people to the miracle power of God, they send them the counselors for year after year after year after year after year. Instead of the church bringing healing to the brokenhearted, bringing recovery of sight to the blind, bringing deliverance to the captives, instead of the church doing that, we've got them medicated. So, Pastor, then are, are, you, are you denying that, 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 that medicine should be at work? I didn't say that at all. I didn't say that at all. I'm just saying the church is not being what God's called the church to be. I am saying now, LFC family, now, God has been working in LFC and calling us to this time and this season. And he is confirming it in many ways that God is saying to the LFC family, it is time to rise up in the power of what Jesus Christ has declared his church to be and what it means to have the keys of the kingdom and what it means to have his mighty name, what it means to have the power of his blood and the six mighty weapons that God has given to the church. It is time for the church to rise up in the power and be doing that. Now watch this as I bring this to a close. Watch this. We have been watching God do this more and more the entire decade I've been here. You see, you, you, you've, you've, got, you've got an old-timey pastor that believes that what the church was doing in the 1980s she ought to be doing right now and more but but for some reason somehow the spirit of the Jesus people movement and the charismatic renewal and the revival that was going on in the 1980s for some reason that has been pushed aside and, and now even many of the pastors that, that were so involved in that, now they're, they're, they're just as formal and, they, and they, they are doing church in a formality, but no power just like the others. But see, that's not new. If I were to take you back to the history of the Methodist church, you wouldn't believe the history of the Methodist church. Do you know that during John and Charles Wesley's revivals in England, the Methodist church, there were people that got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues? And in America too? Okay, the, the, the Methodist church was a powerhouse for Almighty God. But it went the way that the Pentecostal movement has gone in this generation. And there are, there are dozens and dozens of Pentecostal pastors in America now that will not permit the open manifestations of the Holy Spirit in church. But you happen to have one of those dinosaurs that still believes it's supposed to be for right now. I still believe God does miracles. Do you know why I believe God still does miracles? Because it, they happen here all the time. 
See, and, and as God has been doing that in our church, and you go, well, pastor, aren't you just kind of preaching the choir? I mean, we already got that here now. Listen, we haven't turned Hermiston upside down yet. See, there are some things that I've been asking God about why God. For example, how many in our church family battle with fibromyalgia? See, there's no medical cure for that. But God has a cure for it. I've seen God cure it. And I'm going, why God? I, I I don't want our women and men suffering with that. I don't believe we have to suffer with that. How many of our men and women have have battled with with severe back injuries and and their life is being limited because of severe back injuries i'm going god you you don't you don't have a problem with healing that i've seen god heal that you've heard me share before i i've had more than one time i've had people come into meetings on crutches and leave with their crutches on the platform we've had it happen here we had crutches laying up here on the platform for, for a while. And finally, we just, we, the people wouldn't know what they were there for. And then we just took them away. But because the person was healed, didn't need them anymore. See, I, I, I don't think that should be something that happens once in a while. God wants to bring his healing power to this generation. And, and dear ones, listen, make no mistake of it. I, God revealed, I'm, I'm, I'm revealing something to you. I was going to reveal something to you that Father gave to me some months ago. And he said, no, you be quiet. Okay, I won't, I won't go there, Father. But it, it, it's a revelation that God gave me about a particular kind of healing. And, and I have been fasting and praying over it. And I've, and I've been watching God bring healing to a couple of people as I've been seeking him about this. But dear ones, I'm asking that it would become something that is so powerful and dynamic, a part of this church family, that I could train others that could do that so that we could take this to our community because it is, it is a disease that right now there's no medical cure for. And I believe God showed me how to do it. And the, and the couple of times that, I, that, that I've, I've tested it, I'll just be, I'm not embarrassed to say, I was going, okay, Father, let's see. Well, you said this, let's try it. And, and, it, and, and, and God, isn't it surprising? God did it. Would you let God open your eyes to a level of faith? Would you take a step of faith that, okay, God, I'm no longer going to believe you just did it in the New Testament. I'm going to start believing you do it now. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us 
at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.